All right, what's going on East Side? How are you? Let's try that again. How we doing East Side? Come on. Come on, y'all. We just came out of worship. Hey, man, that was some powerful worship, wasn't it? Powerful worship. Thank you, God, for being in this room with us. I don't know if you sensed it um, over the last 20 minutes, but guys, I sense God's spirit in this room with us, and I'm expecting him to do big things tonight. Amen? Amen. Okay, so we're going to believe that, and I am so glad that you're here tonight. Uh, if I haven't met you before, my name's Luke. I am the high school pastor here at Eastside, and I'm honored to be able to share God's word with you guys tonight. Um, man. This is, this is a good crowd. You guys look really good. I don't know if anybody's told you that today, but you guys look really good. Um, I do want to say a special welcome to another good-looking crowd, our online community. Welcome if you're watching online with us. Let's give it up for our online family, guys. If you're watching online with us this weekend, we love you, and we're so glad that you're with us. Um, so one thing that Pastor Dave has on me by a, a long shot, he's got a couple things on me, just a couple. Um, but one thing he has on me is he's got 32 years of preacher jokes, okay? So he's been telling jokes for a long time as a preacher, um, a lot longer than I have. And whenever I tell a preacher joke, I really feel like it just absolutely flops, all right? So I've, I've tried to take some, some tips from Dave and some notes. Um, but it hasn't worked, so I do have a couple jokes to share with you guys, okay? And I can share these jokes with you because they're, um, they're called homeschool jokes, and I was homeschooled, okay? All right, so I'm gonna share some homeschool jokes with you guys, and uh, you guys gotta go along with me, okay? So that way when Dave watches online, he, uh, he, he sees that I made you guys laugh a little bit. So here's the first one, okay? Okay, and, uh, and I can relate with some of these, okay? I was homeschooled all the way through, okay? Don't judge me, all right? Love my homeschoolers out there, wherever you're at. Okay, first one, new homeschooler was asked about how homeschool was going. And he had pretty positive vibes in his response. He said, it's going well. We're getting really serious. My mom just got a world globe and bought me some new pajamas. <laughs> All right, it's gonna get better, okay? What do you call it when a homeschool mom talks to herself? Parent-teacher conference. <laughs> Come on. Okay, here we go. And then I'll move on to more important things. Okay, these are you might have been homeschooled if 10 kids exit a van and they're all, match, they're all wearing matching denim outfits. Um, here's another one. Um, let's see, you think a grocery store trip is the field trip. And then not, last but not least, when you get to college, you're completely surprised to see that chairs, that see chairs with little tables attached to them. Man. I told you, Dave has a lot of jokes. He's got a lot of years on me, guys. Um, but anyways, I'm glad you guys are with us. Uh, we are in week three of our series called Kingdom Invasion, and we're talking all about what it means to be a people, to be a community, to be believers that are always set out on mission, and we look different than the world looks. We are set out to invade the world with the gospel message. And over the last couple weeks, I've been taking a lot of notes from Pastor Dave's word. Uh, it's been really, really powerful. Um, and, and I wanna make sure that we bask everything tonight in prayer before we get into what God's gonna share with us tonight. So if you guys would pray with me. God, we just thank you so much for this night. I thank you for this incredible group of people here and those watching online, God. Um, just so honored to be in your presence, God. Um, God, please just let your spirit move as we read your word, as we study it, as we seek to apply it to our life. Um, 
You just do your thing, God. Get me out of the way. Um, get any pride out of the way, God. Get anything that's keeping us from going deeper with you um, out of the way so that your spirit can move in this room and with us in worship. We love you, God, and we ask all these things in his name. Everybody said Amen. Amen. Okay, so week three, and we're in the Sermon on the Mount. Okay, so Jesus is teaching what's called the greatest sermon of all time, Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And in these chapters, we see Jesus making all sorts of commands, instructions, encouragements on how we are supposed to live as followers of Jesus. And these commands that Jesus gives, these commands are for a people, a Christian people who will not just live out their faith by the title Christian, but a people that will be radical, a people that will invade enemy territory, invade the earth because Jesus has changed their life. And a few weeks ago, Dave kicked us off. He talked about how we should never hide in the shadows of our faith. I really related with that because growing up in a Christian home, there were times that I, I hid in my faith. It was hard for me to share my faith. Dave encouraged us in week one to make a difference by being the salt and light of the earth. And so I wanna encourage you to continue to be the salt that seasons the decay in this world and be the light that shines through the darkness as you invade God's kingdom. Last week, Dave talked to us about how we treat one another. It's all about relationships, and not just relationships here in the body of Christ, but relationships when we go out in the world. We're always supposed to look different because of our love and because of what God's done in our life. And Dave really hit me with this statement, um, and, and I, hope he, I hope it hit you hard too. Dave said last week, he said, Jesus is counting on me, and Jesus is counting on you to teach the world how to treat people. And so I encourage you with that, be the salt, be the light of the earth, treat people in a way that's radical. And tonight we're gonna to be looking at Matthew chapter six, verses five through 34. Uh, unlike my terrible jokes, um, Dave, last time I preached a couple uh, months ago, uh, Dave gave us a passage. We were in a sermon series called Slowly Eating an Elephant. Anybody here remember that series? Powerful series. Uh, we were just working through a couple verses um, at a time. And, and, and it, was, it was a great series. But we got in the middle of that series and I was preaching. And Dave said, hey, you got, you got a few words here. And I made a joke up here. I said, man, Dave gave me like three words to preach on. And then I remember the next week Dave said, I gave him 11 words and I was, I was wrong, I usually am. Um, but Dave talked about, in, in that sermon, we talked about how you don't conform to the world. And it's funny as I was thinking about that sermon a few months back and then how it relates with where we're going today, there was such a powerful correlation because in Matthew chapter six, Jesus talks about life-changing principles for kingdom people. Life-changing principles for kingdom people that are supposed to not only challenge us, but instruct us how to go above and beyond what we typically live out. The bottom line is this, and you're gonna hear it from me a lot today. We have to make God first. We have to make God first. Let that settle in a little bit. In your relationship with God, if, if you follow Jesus, where is he in your life? Is he first? 
above everything else, not just going to church, not just saying or doing the right thing, but is he first, is he second, is he fifth, sixth, 10th, 11th, further down the line? Where is God in your life? You guys are gonna hear me talk about it a lot. We have to make God first in all we do. And I was wrestling with that, praying with that this week and asking myself, God, where am I making you first? Am I making you first in my life? What needs to change about me, my priorities, my preferences, so that you are first in my life? Because here's the deal, guys. Jesus doesn't um, give us as followers, as disciples, options. I believe Jesus says this is the commitment you made when you confessed with your mouth and believed in your heart that my son died for you and gave you eternal life. God gave us commands and we are expected to commit to the way we follow him. We have to make God first in all that we do. And as we get into the word tonight, um, I, I have to ask you guys, hang with me a little bit. We're actually gonna read 29 verses together. I've never, uh, in, in the time of ministry, I've been in eight, eight, nine years, I've never preached and read this long of a passage all at once. But guys, I, I, I was wrestling with it. I was looking at it this week, praying over it. There was no way to just pick parts of it. It was all so powerful when it comes to making God first. So I'm gonna have it up on the screen if you wanna follow along with us in your Bibles, Matthew 6, verses five through 34. I'm gonna be in the NLT. You guys ready? Are you ready? Okay, now you're ready. Here we go. Matthew 6, starting verse five. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. Then your father who sees everything will reward you. When you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them for your father knows exactly what you need, even before you ask him. Pray like this, our father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. When you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and disheveled so people admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face, then no one will notice that you're fasting except your father who knows what you do in private and your father who sees everything will reward you. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is there, the desires of your heart will also be. 
Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. No one can serve two masters, for you'll hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. There's a lot packed in there, right? A lot. Where do we start? Jesus is talking about so many things that we need to look at and see the way that the world reacts to those things where um, believers that are living out their own faith live. And then we need to look at what he's teaching us. Jesus is teaching us about prayer, fasting, forgiveness, money, worry. And I believe it's crucial that we understand what Jesus is teaching us if we're gonna be a God-driven people and if we're going to make God first. See, Jesus takes all these things in Matthew chapter six, both the good and the negative side, and he points them all back to the Father. And Jesus is pointing to his disciples, you and me, everyone who professes to believe in him, to pursue a God-driven life, to make him first above all else. But as we listen to those verses, as we read those verses, as we consider where am I at in those principles? Where am I at when it comes to making God first in my prayer, my fasting, my worry, what I wear, the money I have, forgiveness? There will be things in there that will say, man, I, I feel like I'm, I'm tracking. I'm following God in these ways. But really, for a lot of us, if we're being real, and I hope I have your permission to be real with you tonight, a lot of us are probably struggling and choosing to live out that type of lifestyle every day. Most of us struggle with putting God first because of the world we live in, because of sin, because of the influences around us. But God said, you are a kingdom minded people. 
You're a kingdom-minded people. You're a people that can be set out to change the world, to invade the world. So that means we get to be different. We get to choose to make God first every single day because if we don't, we miss out on the depth of real intimate relationship that God wants with us. God wants to be at the center of your life. I've actually felt some of that recently where God's been kind of prying on me and trying to peel some things away and in some ways, I've been receptive to that, but in more ways I've been, I've been pushing back a little bit. All right, God, I don't know if I'm ready to step that far. I don't know if I'm ready to, to step into that quite yet. Can you relate with that a little bit? Where you feel like God's stirring in you? God's moving you to do things to invade his kingdom, but there's something or some things within you that hold yourself back. You struggle with making God first. You see, the truth is many people in the church today and many people that have professed Jesus as their Lord and Savior, they believe that, you know, Jesus came and he lived and he died and he rose again and he, and he set us free and they've accepted him, but they haven't lived out their faith. They haven't said, God, you're gonna be the most important thing in my life. I'm gonna make God first in my life. And I think sometimes it's because we miss something so simple, yet so powerful. You see, I don't believe for a minute that God sent his son Jesus down to this earth to just pay for our sins, set us free, die on the cross, rise again so we could be free. I don't believe that God did it just for that reason. I actually believe there was a deeper rooted reason in why he did what he did by sending his son. He did it to restore relationship. All that relationship was broken when sin entered the world. It was broken and that's why Jesus had to come not just to save us from something but to save us back to God. Because God created us to be in perfect unity with him. And, and I'm sure you've heard it before but, but, but I really want you to hear it tonight in a really, really powerful way. God desires relationship with you because he wants your whole heart, everything. He wants everything that comes from you. The good, the bad, the things that you're happy about, the things that you're sad about. Jesus wants your whole heart. That's what a God-driven disciple looks like. That's what someone who puts God first in everything looks like, is when we seek to please him above all else. And so I asked myself this question this week as I was studying, writing, praying. Have I considered the daily decision of giving God my whole heart? Have I considered that every day? Have you considered that? Giving God your whole heart, your whole life, not leaving anything out, not holding anything back. Jesus shares some really awesome examples in, in that passage we read about what a self-driven life looks like and what a God-first life looks like. And I, and I wanna look at some of those examples with you guys. First, a self-first life looks like this. It looks like boasting. We, we, we saw in the beginning of that text, we saw that the people that went to pray, the people that went to fast, they were doing things that could please God, that would bring him glory and honor 
But the way they went about it was in a boastful way, was in a prideful way. They considered themselves higher and better than, than, even, than even God. They missed out on what God was trying to teach them in prayer, in fasting. An, another way that a self-first life can look, as it does here in Matthew 6, is, is through unforgiveness. I'm guilty of that. Even times where I feel like I've been wronged and I've told myself I've forgiven that person. I really, truly haven't given that to God. I haven't gone to that person. Do you struggle with unforgiveness? I mean, if we're just being real about it, Jesus says in verse 14, he says, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly father will forgive you. But if you refuse, your father will not forgive your sins. It's dangerous to be in a place of not forgiving, no matter what someone has done to you. What does Jesus say? Jesus says, man, unforgiveness, it can rot away your heart, it can rot away your soul. Another thing that Jesus talks about in a self-first life in this passage is earthly treasures. Lots of things can go into that. Money, possessions. You put the word in the box. What is your earthly treasure? Is it your salary? Is it your home? Is it that bonus? Is it what you wear? Is it what you put on? What display you make for your appearance? What are the things that you store up on this earth? Jesus says, you can't serve two masters. He says, you'll hate one and love the other or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't serve God and money. Jesus gives us a warning about earthly treasures. The last thing he talks about in a self-first life in this passage is worry and anxiety. Something I, I deal with a lot um, with students, with young people in our church. And sometimes it's so hard. I, I know a lot of you have probably been there or have people that you know that have been there that struggle with those things. It's so hard sometimes. You feel so helpless. You feel lost. You feel alone. Jesus talks about worry and anxiety, and he talks about all the things of life that we can worry about, food, drink, clothing, today, tomorrow. Jesus talks about these things, and he says, man, those things will, will keep you from making me first. Pride boasting, unforgiveness, earthly treasures, worry, anxiety. When it comes to a self-first life, where are you right now? Consider that, where are you right now when it comes to Matthew chapter six? Jesus talked about these things and he said, man, he said, my desire for you is to make, to make me famous, but is to do it in a way that grows you deeper in your relationship with, with, with the Father. And we're gonna talk about some of those things um, for, and what a God-first life looks like. But, but I, before we do, I, I, just, I don't want us to miss that these things, boasting, unforgiveness, earthly treasures, worry, anxiety, money, all those things, those things are so easy to get wrapped up in. I've been wrapped up in them, some of them recently. I worry too much about Checking the bank account. I worry too much about this thing. I, I worry too much about this treasure. 
I get caught up too much in not being able to fully forgive. What do we do when we have those things in our life? God gives us answers for that. But the answer comes with pleasing God because God has to be first. You gotta make him first. And everything, you gotta make him first, but man, we're dealing with some real tough stuff here. How do we make God first? What does a God first life look like? I wanna draw your attention to some of those things. The first thing I wanna mention is called a secret place. You might recall in, the, in this chapter that Jesus refers to things with the Father as secret. He says, hey, don't pray in this way. Don't boast in this way. And I think in some ways he's saying, don't, don't worry about what you say. Actually just get alone with me. He says, find a quiet place, shut the door behind you, pray to, pray to your father in private and he sees you and he'll reward you. And he says about fasting, he says, the father knows exactly what you need. He said, carry on, your, be, be normal. He said, make that a deeper relationship with you and with God. When it comes to prayer, when it comes to fasting, we have to find the secret place with the father. It says in verse 18, the father is the one who needs to know. He's the one who knows what you do in private. He sees everything. He sees you, he'll reward you. So we need to find the secret place when it comes to a God first life. Sometimes finding the secret place, finding alone time with God, pursuing God in that way is the only thing that I feel like can get me to the next day. It's the only thing that can help me push through some of that worry, some of those earthly treasures when I find that secret place with the Father. The next thing that Jesus shows us is, is that you need to have a heart of humility. And, and it goes along with finding that secret place with, with, with keeping that, that depth and that intimacy with God between you and him and not feeling like we have to let everybody know, not feeling like we have to do that in a way where everybody sees God says he values humility. If you start putting God first, you will be a more humble person. I've seen it in my life at times where I've put God first more. He's shown me greater humility. What does it look like for you to lower yourself, find God in that secret place and grow in humility? The next thing Jesus talks about, he talks about forgiveness. He said, hey, if you don't forgive, your father will not forgive you the things that you do. The example is forgiveness. <coughs> forgiveness is something we can do toward others. I, I, I had a conversation um, with a young couple that I'm counseling, uh, getting ready to marry them in a couple weeks. And um, we we're talking about a family conflict, right? There's, we've had, everybody's probably had family conflict before. And this is leading up to the wedding. They have a major family conflict. And as I'm talking about them, with them, about their wedding, about this conflict, we're trying to figure out how do we communicate with this family member where there's this conflict. It's kind of a, it's kind of a, a tough situation. Um, and we were talking and praying about it, but there, there was something that kind of came up in our conversation and it was, it was amazing because God reminded us that at the end of the day, what matters? What matters with God? Relationship, real relationship. 
Sometimes you gotta go way above and beyond what you should have to go. Sometimes you gotta forgive. No matter what someone's done to you, if you wanna have that real relationship with God, if you wanna have peace in your life. And, and as we were talking about that, we're like, man, if, if, if we just settle on that person's right, that person's wrong, let's go to the person that's wrong and tell them you're an idiot. Okay, so took the gloves off. But hey, you're wrong and I need you to hear that you're wrong. That destroys the relationship. That destroys the relationship and there's not a heart of forgiveness there. There's not a posture of humility. Jesus says, if you wanna make God first, you gotta forgive. Forgive one another, forgive your enemies. Jesus also talks in the passage about heavenly treasures. He says, store up things that won't decay. Store up things that won't rust. Do things in this life that will make a difference in someone else's life for their eternity. Do something for someone else that will make a difference for eternity. Jesus says, man, if you store up these treasures, and particularly he talks a lot about money. He says, if you store up this money and these possessions and you build, 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 but you miss the fact that it's actually about building heavenly treasures up. God, God blesses us with a lot of things in this life, but if our priority is wrong there, we miss making God first. And you know, Jesus spoke in his life more about money than he did about sex, heaven, hell, because it's a big deal to Jesus. It's a big deal. Jesus warns us, he says, loving money, loving earthly treasures, he says, that's dangerous. He said in Matthew 19, he said, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Why did he warn us with that? Because money can be dangerous because we become dependent on it and it steals us away from God. It, it kills our relationship with God because at the end of the day, it can show where our heart lies. It can show where our heart lies, what we care about the most. So Jesus says, store up heavenly treasures. In Hebrews 13, he says, keep your life free from the love of money. He says, be content with what you have, for he said, I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. So that we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? What does Jesus say? Jesus says, hey, that money, hey, that stuff, hey, that status, that, that job. And he says, I will never leave you or forsake you. I will never leave you or forsake you. What, what a sentence that our world needs to know and needs to believe and live out, but they won't unless we live it out first, unless we make God first in everything we do. Heavenly treasures. What does it look like for you to store those up starting right now? The last thing Jesus talks about in that passage is, is the opposite of worry, anxiety, and it's trust. He says, cast your cares on me. Let me take your burdens. Let me take the weight off your shoulders. Jesus, I, I believe Jesus knows, man, there's things that they're really gonna weigh us down. 
troubles, hardships, sickness, death, unforgiveness. But Jesus says, you don't have to worry. I've already saved you from that. And there's a God that wants to have a deeper relationship with you when you make him first by allowing him to take that. So it's not, well, I just erase the worry. I just erase the anxiety just like that. It's not that easy for everybody. It's not that easy for most of us. I think God says, let me take it. He says, my, 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 my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Let me take it. Where, where, where do you find yourself? Where do you want to go as a kingdom-driven person, as someone who makes God first? Are you ready to find that secret place with him? Are you ready to talk with him alone, read his word, spend time with him so he can, he can draw closer to you? It's time for us to be humble. It's time for us to forgive. It's time for us to store up things that will last so that when we, we meet Jesus face to face, he will say, good and well done, faithful servant. We've got to put our trust in him. We have to put our trust in him. And I believe if we begin to live this out, live out the Sermon on the Mount, it's not gonna be easy. It's not easy for me. It's not gonna be easy for you. We all have different situations, different lives, but Jesus says, man, I am here for you. I'm here to restore that relationship back to my father. And, and it's cool. I think he shows us some really awesome practical steps, some practical priorities, preferences that we need to have in order to choose God first. The first thing that I felt like God just kind of stirred me this week was this, choose each day to submit to God's will. It is a daily decision, but it's submission. It's giving up what you want and saying, God, you got it. God, I'm following you. God, it's your will be done. Just like it shows us in Romans 12 too, don't copy our, the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you'll learn to know what God's will is for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Don't be conformed to the world. Be conformed to the likeness of Jesus, our mission here at Eastside. We can do that if we choose each day to submit to God's will. But it's a choice. Who do we wanna please? Are we our own master or do we wanna... Say, God, you're our king. God, you're our master. We will follow you. We will pursue you. Whatever you ask of us, each day we will submit to your will and your will only. Another step we can take, and this is my personal, this is my favorite, is we can pursue the secret place with the Father. As I told you before, man, the, sometimes the lowest of lows, that's where God picks me up. That's where God finds me, shows me he loves me. He does that in the secret place. If you haven't had that before, the secret place with God, a place where you said, man, and, and it's not just a physical place, it's a spiritual place. It's a place where you connect with God, where you can start talking to him about what you're feeling. You can start asking him for his will to be done in your life. You can do what James 4, 8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. I think some of the deepest things in our faith happen in the secret places. 
in the quiet places. Sometimes we prevent hearing God's voice, hearing God lead us to something because we're not in that secret place. So we gotta choose each day to submit to God's will. We gotta pursue the secret place with the Father. And the last thing is this, we have to expect and be ready for revival. It comes down to this, church. The time for us to be a kingdom invasion people is right now. And it will not happen unless you have an expectation that God can do what he's already promised he will do. Amen? I mean, come on, let's wake up to that, that God can do his work and we need to be ready for him to do his work, for him to revive his people, for him to revive his world. Just like Psalm 85, six says, won't you revive us again so your people can rejoice in you? Revival's not gonna start unless it starts right where you're at. Unless you're submitting to God's will, unless you're pursuing him in that secret place, unless you're expecting him to do great things in your life, in your family, in your relationships, in your workplaces, in your church. Guys, if we're not ready for revival, what does our faith look like? I think it looks dead. I think we miss everything that God has for us. Won't you revive us again so your people can rejoice in you? We gotta be ready for revival. You know, there was a song written during COVID and it was called Lord Send Revival. And this song was powerful, powerful song. You guys know there was some songs written um, during the pandemic and, and post pandemic and some songs that really encouraged people, brought people hope, restored healing to people's lives. And the opening lyric of this song is peace like a river, wash over me. It showed us what, what a renewed faith looks like. And, and I love this message from one of the people that helped write this song. They said this, they said, in a time filled with uncertainty, fear, loss, that exists here right now in our world today. He said, we felt like we wanted to sing this over the households in our world because we pray and we believe that revival will cover our land. Even though we don't know what's gonna happen next, even though we don't know what the next step is, even though we haven't seen what's, gonna, what, what, what's unseen, we gotta be ready for revival. And just let, let me be very blunt with you about that. If we're not expected a revival, if we're not ready for revival to start in our own life, then our faith will be lost. Our faith will not carry us deeper with God. And so church, will you cry out to God? Will you decide in this moment, I want revival in my life. I wanna submit to your will. I wanna make you first and put you before everything.